not all of us Diane have the staying power have the, the resiliency the the kind of the kind of spiritual stamina necessary not the, the insufficient umpapa in our collective calliopes to <laughs> to fully engage over long periods of time the kind of the kind of eternal kind of epic kind of far distant horizon type of time that you seem to occupy with such ease and such splendor majesty one might say I am a mere supplicant and approach with with uh, reverence and caution <laughs> only to end up in a lonely little place where I'm forced to say it's 9.09 a.m. Saturday, June 26, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane So this is a lonely place for you to uh, I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. The agony of the solitude. <laughs> we got little... Ah, ham and eggs. We got little flecks of blazing hot, you know... <laughs> Terminal sunlight coming in to the building now, since we all seem to be. But this time of year, in it the frying pan. The the sun kind of goes in uh, is blocked by the other building. Thank God. Yeah, it's a it's a brief the morning sun. The morning sun. The afternoon sun, however, a bit more relentless, as it attacks the backside of the building. It does tend to. It's there a lot longer. It takes a lot longer for it to cross and go down beside, behind the building on the other side of us. It's actually the spring that we get the, spring and winter, I think, that we get the afternoon sun really coming in the, these windows. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just little flecks. Yes, flecks. Thank God. And it's pretty. It kind of makes the floor look kind of sparkly in a way. You know? Sparkly carpeting. Think about it. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, Diane, <laughs> as per usual. And I, I have one brief uh, statement to make to both of the listeners. Um, I, uh, I seem to have misplaced a week in my life. and I, It's a new experience for me. Um, for pretty much the entirety of last week, I was living in a world wherein... This coming Tuesday was J- July the 6th. I, was li- I lived multiple days in that reality. You know, that this coming Tuesday I would be doing a Treehouse concert. I was putting together my little movie, which I love doing. They're fun to make, and, you know, they're not always perfect. They're, actually, they're never perfect, but uh, oftentimes they're, they're nice little bookmarks that I can kind of stick up there and kind of a because I'm Mr. Showbiz. So I had that in the can. I'd been working on a set list based upon what I thought would be my best guess of what my capabilities with my hands would be on the third day of some pretty hot weather. Yeah. So I was kind of had that piece in my head. And uh, it was only after I had posted the video. And there'd been a couple of comments on it, which I thought were kind of fun, stuff like that. That I realized th- that the concert that I thought was five days away was actually twelve days away. 
Was and it the, because of my comment to Cindy? No, it was something else. I was looking, at, you know, I saw, I had seen the comment, and, and the, your comment with Cindy seemed like, yeah, yeah, of course, July 6th. That's why I said Tuesday, 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 because, you know, the next Tuesday is July the 6th. So I thought your comment to her was a little, a little more than it was necessary. I just thought, yeah, of course, July 6th, because that's what Tuesday, 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 and yet it's in what I said. Anyway. No, it was, I was looking at the date of the posting of that film. I think that's what did it. You know, it said posted, and then it gave a date. And I was like, June 23rd? Well, if I posted this on June 23rd, how can the next Tuesday, seven days later, six days later, it'd be July 6th? doesn't make any sense. That's when it hit me. But I get, you know, it's never happened to me before. I mean, this is a reality I was in for three or four days. And I think it's because my body was, was, in, was in charge. That my body was ready. It had been two weeks since I had last done this. And I was on this kind of two-week cycle there for long enough to where my body was doing preparatory work. And my brain hadn't really checked in i was just like letting it happen thinking hey it's great that i'm going to be this prepared this far in advance because it felt good like i i was really making good decisions about what songs i can play next to each other so that my hands don't hurt too much like if i do a strummy song where i have to hold down chords a lot then after that i should do something maybe finger picking where it's more there's more movement in my left hand and in my right hand so that you know blah 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 it's all, it all became kind of extraneous and kind of, you know, something else when I realized <laughs> that I was planning for an event that was a yet another week farther in the future. Extraneous and something else. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, obsessive, maybe, was the other word I was looking for. Anyway, it was just a dumb thing. But it's strange the way it re- has registered in my consciousness. Because... I was, I'm just amazed that I never, it never occurred to me until after I had posted the video. I mean, it just, it's crazy to me that it had not occurred to me before I posted the video. Because I would not have posted the video. The video was designed to come up the Wednesday before the Tuesday. I put it up two Wednesdays before the, the Tuesday. So it loses a little bit of its punch. You see? The problem here, people, is, as usual, is that Bill's got way, way too much time to think. And it gets him into all kinds of weird little loops. So we're just going to move on to the next topic, because I'm sure you've got something interesting to say, Diane. Because I know your week has been much more interesting than my missing week or my extra week. I did kind of get a leap week out of the deal, because now I'm like a... I got this whole other week to be in that I hadn't planned for, and so it's kind of <laughs> I feel I feel kind of free floating. This week was an incredibly busy week for me, yeah. work-wise, because I had not we are not only short-staffed because two of our two of my <clears throat> colleagues have gotten promotions and left, so we're in the process of. Uh, we are actually having two people starting next week, but uh, in the meantime. But in the meantime, my one of my colleagues went on vacation, the one that I partner with, and so I was kind of the last person standing on my on the 
actions of my particular team. And it was really, really uh, a lot. I was not stressed about the work. I felt like I was just really uh, fast and adept at what I was doing and competent and all that. It just was the volume was really high. And I, at one point, just started feeling really upset, you know, and I realized as I was talking to you, I wasn't upset at anybody but me, because I was thinking, now, why do I have this overdeveloped sense of responsibility? I mean, why do I feel like I have to be Atlas all the time and hold the world on my shoulders? And nobody is expecting that of me but me, you know, like if things had fallen during this time, it's not like my my supervisor would come and chide me or anything. It was just, uh, it was just me. And so since I was going to be have my, having my life coaching session yesterday on Friday, I thought I'm going to talk to her about that because I always have a session focus that I turn in before I have my life coaching. And I said, I'd like to deal with this overdeveloped responsibility piece. But at the same time, I also wanted to address a, an assignment I had from last time, which was about writing a letter to my childhood self that I had seen in a home movie because I had told my you life. You had posted coach, that clip, right? I posted that clip, uh, but, but I had been watching it right. prior to posting it. And, um, and I had told Shelley that watching myself in movement as a young child and watching myself dashing around, I said, it, it was almost like I was this magical little pixie or mm-hmm. something, you know? And I said, and I found that I really loved that child. And so she had given me an assignment to write to that child. Cause she said, I really would like you to talk to that child within you and, and talk about what you love about her. And and as I was writing it, I realized that I was writing very intuitively and was meandering off in all these unexpected directions. And most of the unexpected directions had to do with the fact that I knew that that child was not always comfortable, but she was in that moment. You know, she was just a part of nature running around splashing in the water, not caring a whit about what anybody thought of her. Mm-hmm. And and then I would see other home movie clips where that young child was being chided for having her finger up her nose or for scratching her behind in, on camera and all that stuff. And saw the shame, and it was almost like seeing in these videos you can see in real time how you start taking on as a child the stress of being older the the duty the all the things that you responsibility and and what i was talking to her about my that young child that was me was etiquette being put on and and that the child and I said I know you as a child do not understand you understand the things that are considerate and kind to others but you don't understand etiquette in all ways like 
why is it bad to have elbows on the table? That was a real big thing in my family house was don't put your elbows on the table. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was an interesting exercise to to write because if you really are not uh, when I was talking to you about it you were saying oh you know you were sort of scoffing at it at first a little bit sort of saying well what was it to give your advice as a adult to the child in you and I said no it wasn't that it was more appreciation I think that she heard that I had appreciation for the for that child so it's sort of sharing that appreciation. But it was interesting how the exercise from the last session that I had and the, the session focus of feeling this overly developed sense of responsibility dovetailed because, yeah. uh, because I really feel like that sense of responsibility is... Uh, a cloak, a mantle we take on that we actually have to shrug off at this point of our lives. And at any time, actually, that you shift away from a job. I mean, it's not just when you're retiring. It's any time you leave a job. You have taken on that, that responsibility, and then you have to get to the point where you can just say, I give it away because... I can't do this job anymore. Somebody else has to do it. And but man, it's just been uh, it's been intense. Yeah. And I was saying to Shelley that when I first started this whole process, I was thinking of it as a fairly. Uh, <laughs> I did not expect the depths to which you must go when you were reviewing all these things. And what I discovered as I was talking to Shelley yesterday was that I really feel like the part of retirement that is so scary is that you are part, you're in this march towards death. And that is the truth of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's the unspoken issue that people won't address when they're talking about their fears about retirement. Because this is the first major shift that you're saying, yes, I am in the age where I am looking forward and that is my destination. Yeah. Not, um, not, I'm going to start this terrific new career. I mean, you can. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't. But, but the, the main thing about retirement is that you are reviewing an entire life. It is a... It is a unique passage yeah there's no other passage in life that is like it so you can't you don't have a frame of reference for it yeah but it throws you back it's like if you're someone who's done a fairly good amount of a self-appraisal as you have lived your life at this point you're you get this panoramic view of all those previous appraisals and now you get to reappraise those appraisals and it's just, it's, it's a huge multi-tentacled beast of a project, really. But if you're someone who has always taken a certain amount of pleasure in being self-assessive, it's got to be like, it's like reaching the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thing. 
I don't know, because it is a panoramic thing, but it's got, it's like all the baggage of it is negative. It's got so much extraneously, uh, or, or extraneous baggage connected to it that is negative, defeat-oriented, and, uh, you know, surrendering, and, uh, and uh, you know, casting off, and, you know, all these kinds of frames of reference around it that make it sound like this bad thing. But it's just an inevitability in life. It's not a uh, something that you where you've got a series a sequence of bad choices and you have to make the best bad choice. It's not like that. It's an inevitable passage that everybody goes through. And you know why not treat it like this? I mean, when I watch you, what you are doing, I am seeing all the opportunities for personal growth. For a person who is very much interested in personal growth, you know, it's like the ultimate reward kind of thing. I don't know. I just feel like there's something, it's almost like a problem that you solve in, in uh, when you're doing personal growth, as you say. It's, it's looking at the things that have served you and looking at the things that harm you. And trying to, throughout your life, get to the point where you can get rid of the things that harm you and keep the things that serve you. And the weird but, nostalgia you feel towards the things that harmed you. Yeah, it's true. There's nostalgia involved and it makes it hard to set it, to, to cast it away. You know, it makes it difficult because you're so attached to it. It's been, so, you know, the negative talk in my head has been with me for as long as I can remember. It doesn't sound anything like it did 20 years ago. And it's not nearly as damaging as it was 20 years ago, but it's still there. And it, def you know, there's part of me that is defined by that, I feel like. You know? Well, I, I feel like what is happening for me right now is <laughs> that all the things that did serve me, yeah. that I kept, now it's not serving me. Yeah. And that is... That's a surprise, too. That's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> because uh, what I had been doing, I may have mentioned this at one of the shows because I was... <laughs> one of the, the self-tasks that I assigned myself was to to write up what I was... I, I was thinking about a knapsack, you know, that you carry right. with you yeah. in the valleys. And now you're going to be climbing the mountain. And all the things that you had in your knapsack are not working for you anymore because you're going to be in an entirely different terrain. Right. And so I was writing up all the things that I needed throughout my journey up to this point and, you know, just aspects of myself and all the things that I either have to adapt and make into something else or uh, the things that I had to basically shuck, shuck yeah. from my life. And that was an interesting practice in itself, too. Yes. But, yeah. but the main thing that I am seeing now, because what I was telling Shelly yesterday was, I know why I have an overly developed sense of responsibility. And a lot of it was because of my desire to be a good girl, you know, mm. to be, and that 
was true when I was a kid and then it was true when I was an adult and working and I wanted to be the good employee. I wanted to take on more than was asked. I wanted to be competent at what I did. That's what we were taught, always working ahead of the curve. And then I, I said it's sort of a recipe of various uh-huh. things, of traits, because I have a ability to retain in my memory what I learn. And not everybody has that. It's For me, it's sort of like I hear something once or twice and I remember it. Even when I was in choir when I was young, I never could read music, but if I heard a melody or heard the harmony to that melody, if I heard it once or twice, I usually could remember it. And uh, so it was a it's a retentive memory. Actually, Kat used to say that she thought I had a photographic memory, which I do not. I can't remember things that I see, but I can remember things that I read and, and that I really absorb something that I care about. But I also have an organizational sense that not everybody has that I always took for granted and thought was the way everybody deals with life, but it isn't. And uh, and I had a desire to help others. So I didn't want other people. I'd always learned by being thrown into the pool and sink or swim type of thing. Um, and I didn't want everybody else to have to learn that way. I, I thought, well, if I provide them with some information, then they'll be able to, to do this thing. But that has not proved true because it's sort of like what has happened over the years of my being at the U is now that I have this reputation of knowing so much I get calls from everybody not just people in our departments that we work with but other departments that's always been the case since I've been at the U but I want to help and desire to help but I'm starting to think wait a minute this is not getting anybody anywhere. <laughs> and ultimately, so, when, when you're taken out of that equation, it all collapses. The whole structure that you have built can only exist if you're in it. So there's no way for you to, to hand that off to somebody. And that was the conclusion Shelley and I had come up with. And, and one of the things that we decided was that, uh, that it's sort of like you build this beautiful structure that is your work life. Whatever that that job that you did you built the structure that you lived in it's almost like um it's almost like a (laughs) your own architecture of a house that is made for you and then somebody else takes it over and they're gonna dismantle it or they're going to adapt it to their own nobody moves into a house and keeps it exactly the same we had remodeled our kitchen in the latest fashion with the idea of selling our place chances are probably better than 50 50 that whoever bought our place would come in and completely undo that because exactly. they had a different idea yeah. exactly so. so what i finally realized through this whole thing <laughs> through this hour-long talk it's finally registered with me that the sense of responsibility is your way and actually i i identified that I was trying to help myself through this whole time. 
through that overdeveloped sense of responsibility by taking on the things and monitoring them and making sure that they happen. I was just trying to prevent any issues coming up that I would have to address down the line. I didn't want to address things down the line. I wanted to deal with them now. And so whatever I took on was worthy of taking on at the time. But now I have to lay down that burden and I've got to, you know, because next week is going to start the countdown. I'm one year to retirement, one year to retirement. So I feel like I better get my ducks in a row in my head, both philosophically and practically, because I, a year goes by in an awfully fast way. But I guess the reason why I talk about all this is that I find it fascinating. Right. I mean, you're sitting at the table. I mean, it's like, it's fascinating to watch your fascination, to witness your fascination. And it's, and so I think you're doing all the right things, as usual. As usual. <laughs> I'm just... As usual. But, but, and it's not because, you know, I don't know how you do it. I, I, I'm... You know, I, I stand in awe. I think that's clearly established <laughs> on the show. I don't like, mean I believe to. I've come, I'm not trying I, to. I, act I'm like not telling you. I'm not trying to do anything. <laughs> I'm just saying, as the you know, the prime witness to this uh, practice that you maintain. You know, if you're if you think that you're ever going to be bored when you're retired, don't worry about it. <laughs> I I know how you work. You're not you're not going to be bored. You've got a lot of material here and it's not, you know, it's not like because you don't have the tasks of your work to do that you're going to, that all these materials are going to vaporize. It's going to all still be here. Uh, And uh, I'm looking forward to the book. I just find that I was always fascinated with aging, even when I was young. And my fascination with aging has grown, but it's sort of like all the things that I had theorized now i'm seeing where the rubber meets the road so to speak and and it it's different and yet i foresaw because of some of the things i've read i've i've been on this track to understand it a little better rather than just being here and going oh my god what's happening and now i see that because you can say to yourself, like even when I started the life coaching, I was thinking, okay, what I really want from this life coaching is just to to kind of foresee what I want to do once I retire. How do I want that to look? Right. What sorts of things do I want to uh, do with my days? How do I want to uh, incorporate my passions? And what do I want to do? But I didn't realize until I started it and just with my simple questions of myself, it's just like been peeling an onion. I, I, at first I thought, okay, so there's a financial aspect that scares me. I should deal with that. And that led to something else. And then that led to something else. And it just feels like every two-week span that some other... Um, You're just following the threads. I mean, the fact that the financial part led you to ancestry... That's that's some thread following there. That's some that's some, you know. To me, it represents a freedom of mind. To where, I don't even know how to. I can't describe because I don't experience it the way you do. 
but it seems to me like in my fantasy of what the way you work uh, I just see you know you have a, a foundational question and then suddenly somehow in front of you there's this web of of uh, references brought up by this question and you scan them like it's a fan deck of oracle cards and you pick one and you follow that and you always seem to pick the one that works the best in the moment I mean you, you get a test of that in your life coaching ses sessions where you do pick a card at the end of every session and it is exactly the card that you that represents what you're where you are I don't know how you do that but that's how I imagine it in my mind you have a question pick a card any card in the deck you pick the correct card because that's what you do <laughs> you know so I don't you know the fact that it led you to ancestry into the stories of your ancestors and their financial not not even their financial ideas but their material circumstance and how that fed back into your ideas about the financial part. That's the thread you chose to follow, which was exactly the right thread. I don't know that I may cut this entire section out of the show just because I, I don't know how to explain what I can't ex to anybody else, what I can't explain to myself, but you're, I like it. well, but you, you have, you have this innate ability to pick the right card. Is, the, is what it comes down well, to. I, you always seem to pick the right card. I actually feel like it takes a certain amount of desire right. to actually experience this transition. Right. Because I think what, what I see with a lot of people is that when they're in a transition point of their lives, that they're kind of afraid of being in the threshold that they want to get to that opposite side or they want to cling to the, the place that they're, they're in. Right. And I think that I've found a lot of richness in the transition right. and period. I think it has to do with a person's willingness in a given moment to be self-reflective and self-assessive where you are assessing yourself and you know judging yourself on some level. I mean, that's what someone who's more fearful of it would see it as a judgment of self. Yeah. Whereas for someone who has an innate kind of openness to that in them already, it's merely a, a journey, you know, a journey of self-examination you know, or of self-revelation. And I think people are innately afraid of that kind of vulnerability, even if it's all contained within their own person. They're, they're, they're not, that kind of vulnerability is not, available to everyone that's why they just want to get there yeah. because they don't they're they are they're they don't like this the idea of all this information that is between here and there so they they focus strictly on getting there and i think it is a kind of a knee-jerk kind of avoidance kind of reaction in in the lizard brain but well i think a lot of the the retirement issue comes from couple of things the fact that it is the march towards death right. the people it's an unspoken thing they don't want to say it but it is it's a part yeah once you're retired marker. the next big horizon is death <laughs> that's the next big horizon and that's you right. know when you acknowledge retirement you can't not look 
at the next arrest. And as I said to Shelley, as I said, you know, the thing is that a lot of people my age say that they're not old. And I feel like I'm old, yeah. but I still have a lot of juice in me. I, I, I want to juice that juice until, the, until I've sure. totally spent it. Yeah. So it isn't that you are old and therefore you are deplete and yeah. that there's nothing left to you. It's that your age is this age, and you still have a lot of juice. You want to give things to other projects. You want to continue, but you don't see it as the same as when you first started. But, you know, the the thing that you said about the judgment, that is really interesting to me because when I think about, you know, having things that you're, are in your knapsack or out of your knapsack, when you are at a point if you had a physical knapsack and you were looking at the things that helped you through the valley but you're realizing that they're not going to help you in the mountain you aren't taking those things out and thinking what an idiot i was to have this thing with me i mean even if you had a let's say that you had a tool that you never ended up using while you were on your journey Mm -hmm. but you thought you might you know well, it's just that, yeah, I didn't have a use for that on my journey, but I wasn't stupid for taking it. I just, you know, and there are things that might have gotten damaged or chipped along the way, and you just did what you could with what you had, you know. Yeah, but then you're describing someone who would actually stop and untie the knapsack and examine it. Ah, right, yeah. You know, but there are people who would just continue, All right, well, I don't need to stop and look at it. I know what's in there. <laughs> I packed it myself. I need to get where I'm going. You know, wh- why do I want to sit and look at the stuff? <laughs> what what good is that going to do me? How's that going to help me? I'm interested in getting. I'm a goal oriented person. Let's go. You know, let's not get mired, stuck in the mud of trying to decide about all this crap. It's not too heavy. I can carry it. Let's go. Kind of thing. That's the kind of person that I think is. And, and, you know, it, it doesn't look like it, they're not afraid of being vulnerable. They just don't know how to access, you know, whether there's any emotion around vulnerability in them or not. They are goal-oriented people. I know what I put in the knapsack. I'm going over there. They just have a different way of, of, of orienting, orienting themselves and their lives. It never would occur to them that stopping and examining things and lightening one, lightening's one, one's load uh, wouldn't make any sense. Well, and that's why I say I think I'm just a person who's fascinated by the transitions in life. Right. I like the... When I was in college, I, I really loved the developmental psychology course that I took. I loved that course that was talking about what the different ages of childhood, how the people developed. And and interestingly, they didn't have as much developmental psychology for our age group back then because people were just exploring it at that time. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Eric Erickson, I think, was, the, was one of the people who talked a lot about actu- self-actualization. And I don't think that they even really explored the older years until they were older he and his wife were older and i think that his wife had to complete that that book about self-actualizing in your elder years after 
He was dead. He was dead. So, have so, you read that book? I have not. That That's, would be that actually so, an interesting. That is so interesting because I don't, there aren't, I don't know. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> My brain's going in 12,000 different directions. <laughs> you do that to me. It's your fault. But I wanted to say, I think as a young person, I also was obsessed with aging. If you listen to the Comfort or the Meat, meat of, the, of the Dream, meat of the dream two yeah. songs I wrote when I was in my freaking 20s, talking about, oh, it's too late now. <laughs> I had my chance, I blew it. Maybe it's over. It was all but the Meat of a Dream. Mary, my hands cannot claim what I've seen. Anyway, I knew this. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. As a 27-year-old. That all the good times were gone. You boy. That's good coffee. I love Meat of the Dream. <laughs> I do too. And part but, of the, it, it fits in with what my thought is now about life in general because as i was talking about this i i mean it is sort of like your hands cannot claim what you've seen it's sort of the the idea that that your life is this beautiful constructed thing that you did as an ego and then when you are gone it is gone right but while you're in it the more of that there is the more there is to relish exactly you know? and you don't you can't know that when you're i couldn't have known that when i was 27 or 28 exactly. years old but i sing those songs now and it's just like whoa exactly <laughs> you know? they, they're all filled up with all this other material that it, has happened since then which makes them a lot more resonant when i for me to sing them now so what was that what it was, it was all it was was an accumulation of time that is that has happened since then you know, I haven't become anyone different or anything like that. It's, this is, I recognize that consciousness because I still live in it. But when I think about the way that consciousness resonates at 63, as opposed to the way it resonated when I was 28, man. Well, and also huge. when you say that too, it makes me think that it's very resonant to me that you and I both kind of have been sort of seen towards this time and we had some ideas that were correct (laughs) but that now have so much more impact that's why i was saying the rubber meeting the road that it had so much more impact uh than you had imagined it would and when you get here it's interesting but i was also interesting oh i'm sorry go ahead no 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 you go ahead it's also it's also interesting to me just how different your yours and my approaches are to these life uh, passages these transitions because i'm a lot more skittish about transitions as you know whenever we're packing to go somewhere (laughs) i just kind of get edgy you know and and um but I, for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to write about all this weirdness I'm feeling. That's what it's going to be. The material for me is going to be the writing about how weird it was because I have this sense that somewhere on the backside, I'll know what just happened to me. But while it's happening, I'm more interested in registering the nuances of what's happening. Whereas you foresee all of this. You know, you have the ability to look forward at what's coming like you do in your job you're always six moves ahead of everyone else you want to see what's coming and have a plan in place for it whereas my job as i see it is to stumble through all of it and write all of it down write all of that whatever 
tumult there is, try to capture some of that. Because that's kind of what my job is. I, we still end up in the same place, but the ways we go about it just seem, in some ways, like polar opposite, you know, but just delightful. Just <laughs> it's find, wonderful I to I think see it's both. one of the most delightful elements of being with you is to continue to live as me <laughs> in the presence of this complete other mode of operating that I find completely fascinating have no desire to adopt as a lifestyle. And I don't think you have any desire to I was going to say ditto, <laughs> ditto yeah. on uh, yeah. all the above. Yeah, it's just, it's just a delight that uh, we found each other. Because the way that we harmonize with each other is unprecedented. It, perhaps in the known universe. Uh, I think, you know, ditto to all the yeah. above. I think, I think, you know, a couple of generations from now, quantum physicists will be talking about the Bill and Diane effect. This is a prime example of what is coming known as the Bill and Diane effect. Uh, except in some circles where it's the Diane and Bill effect. Or D2, B2, as in D squared, B squared. <laughs> something i don't know i finally ended up the the whole thing with shelly talking about the buddhist uh sand paintings oh, that right. they do right because i said you know now that those really make sense to me because it's it's like they spend days hours yes. minute concentration build this Intricate. beautiful intricate beautiful. mandala of gorgeous colors and and then once they have completed it they just sweep it away sweep it away or and when, when they come to the meadow they dump it into the river and i feel like wow that is such a it's one thing to hear them talk about why they do it it's another thing to really understand why they do it yeah. And I think that this is the first time in my life I really understand why they do it. Right. Because your life is that. And so the thing that was going through my mind this morning was the song by Bob Frankie. Uh, because the lyrics just seem so perfect for yeah. these realizations. Exactly. That what can you do with your days but work and hope? Love till you love it away. Yeah. And... I get so emotional. In fact, I've been weeping openly with, with Shelley all the time about these things. But the weeping is not sadness. It's not sorrow. It is just this feeling of gratitude and overwhelming resonance, amazement yeah. at how a life works. It's like it and, starts to glow. Yeah. You know, and like, I just feel like I'm overwhelmed. I'm overcome and that's why these two songs seem to be the perfect resonant songs and they're both sung by Garnet Rogers it's so easy to dream of days gone Think of times to come And the grace to accept every moment as a gift Is a gift that 
finally fall Some live in vain and never love at all But as lightning strikes or as a small insistent voice If we are blessed we will hear and heed the call Give your love and never count the cost Lose your heart and never call it lost May your love be your shelter to the ending of your days Love is all that is, all that ever was May your love grow strong and always kind May your hearts grow forevermore entwined In the brightest day or in the stillness of the night May it be each other's hand you seek and find Give your love and never count the cost 
Lose your heart, never call it lost May your love be your shelter to the ending of your days Love is all that is and all that ever was Love is all that is, all that ever was. 